Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brad. This is Miles. And welcome to the house. That was a hell of a weekend of some great football action. It was great. Uh, I went to a Steelers bar. Uh, I'm not a Steelers fan, so that was interesting. Um, what we messed up last week is we were going to start this read my review section to allow those who like us to review and have an opportunity to make it onto the show. Sounds good. And this week I was smart enough and I printed the reviews so my phone wouldn't freeze. Um, So we're going to start with the first review from Derek K. Uh, He says, these guys are awesome. They definitely know a lot about sports and know what they're talking about. These guys are good and they have fun on their podcast. Very informative but entertaining at the same time. Thank you, Derek K. My man, Derek. The next one, we're going to do it from... Mark Meadows, smart and really engaging. Y'all have a really good format laid out. This is a real knowledgeable and comprehensive podcast about sports betting. You know, I should read these before because someone's going to throw in some big words that I can't pronounce. And I'm Great words. Like I, was, I was just about to make that comment. Very a plus well for Mark. A plus for Mark. And the last one. So we'll do two or three. Um, let's do OCSC for life. That's L-Y-F-E, if you guys were wondering. Uh, awesome stuff. Love this podcast. Brad and Miles create great conversation about football bets. I listen in every week to see how my picks compare and make changes based on their look at different teams and matchups. Check out these guys to make some money. I appreciate all the love. So, guys, this is your opportunity. If you want to be on the show, you want to hear your name said, we appreciate everything that you guys do with it becomes a listening to us and rating us. So, let's go ahead and tell you. Like you know, we're going to Las Vegas. One week from one today. Week. Actually, one week from right now, we will be on the Vegas Strip. And, of course, we're going to do a live episode that Friday night. So, let's highlight. This is going to be a timeless episode for you guys. Let's highlight what we're going to talk about. We're going to do a too early top 10 for college football. We're going to do a who's on the hot seat segment from the NFL and college football. We're going to do division winners. That's for the divisions in uh, NFL. We're going to do Heisman hopefuls and the games that we are most looking forward to. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm excited. And uh, I already started digging into this like three weeks ago when we first started talking about it. Normally, I don't podcast prep till the week before, but I was so excited that it should be great. There's a lot to get into. Uh, and I wanted to say that uh, about the reviews that uh, we're having the most fun when we're engaging with anyone who takes the time to listen yeah, and engage with us and because we just want to meet everyone who shares the same passion that we do. So Yeah, like uh, the very first person who ever said something to us who I, – I know we have friends who are devout listeners, but the first person we didn't know um, when he went all in on FAU, he let us know and it was excited because we were able to engage back to him. Uh, that's Broke College Kid on Twitter. I know you're listening to every episode, man. And uh, – Speaking of uh, the Vegas show, uh, I guess uh, let's do Monday. We'll post the time that we're going to set up for yeah, that. Yeah, Monday we'll give you the exact time we'll, we'll, we'll set up. Um, if you guys don't follow us on Facebook, go to um, Welcome to the House on Facebook. Uh, the at is at Best the House, like everything. Uh, like us on Facebook, and we'll post that on that and Twitter. Twitter is Best the House, so you guys will be able to see it. I'll also see if I can get um, a stream on the website, but that is not a guarantee. You know – I, I want to don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. All right. Well, my heart's racing just thinking about Vegas right now. I'm so excited. I want to play some craps. I want to make some sports bets, and I want to win some money. Going to be some good college basketball action going on. Oh my on. god! I'm ready for some. I'm gonna do some crazy parlay, like a 13 team super super uh, favorite parlay. Why not? 
Uh, all right, so without further ado, we got our housekeeping out of the way. Uh, excited for um, everything that we got going on. Uh, let's go ahead and recap this insane weekend of college football. There's, I've heard in the past uh, a lot of experts and a lot of fans say that this is the best weekend that football has to offer, the divisional round. Oh, yeah. And it did not disappoint. It, it was very, I guess you'd say surprising. Yeah, uh, very surprising. A lot, a, a lot of drama. Great names, great teams. I mean, just good stuff. Uh, let, let's go ahead and start with the Atlanta Falcons and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Falcons were three-point road favorites, as we highlighted. It was the first time in NFL history that a number one seed in this round was not favored. They should have been. The Eagles win fifteen to ten. You and I both had the Falcons covering, so that was a loss for both of us. Yeah, that was a big-time loss here. Um, the Falcons were held to under 250 total yards. That Eagles defense is legit. And that it was the difference in the game because I know we talked a lot about the quarterbacks, but false was a non-factor here. Yeah, he threw for about 250, no touchdowns. It was all up to the defense. And then, can I say this? As an Alabama fan, I knew Sarkeesian was drawing up some dumb play for that last play. Why are you going to bootleg out and cut out half the field for that? Yeah, it was a questionable decision. Yeah, that lost them the game there. You have Julio Jones, but you also have Muhammad Sanu and Tyler Gabriel. Both have hands. Don't limit it to just a Julio Jones play. Right. And I and I felt like they had a lot of missed opportunities with the rhythm that they were getting Julio into early yeah. in the game. Because he had, what, nine catches yeah. in the game for 100 yards? I mean, I don't understand why you don't exploit that more. It seemed to me that the Falcons just didn't have enough options yeah when you know which surprised me because we talked about the combination of coleman and uh freeman but they struggled against that d-line and it, it, it was like they they changed their philosophy their their offensive philosophy exactly game. and you can't do that especially you gotta ride what got you there i can understand if it's the middle of the season but you gotta stick to who you are and if that's what beats you it's better than changing to something you're not and losing they tightened up they got conservative yeah. it was a tough road environment there's no doubt but you can't change who you are it's like when they say if you're a college coach and you always go for it on fourth and one, don't change that in the national championship Yeah, go game. for it on fourth and one. Go for it on fourth and one. Keep your identity. That's maybe the point I was trying to make. The yeah. Falcons lost their identity a little Big bit. Big time. It, it was kind of weird, too. And, I mean, I'm so glad I didn't actually bet on this game because I was going to, and I just didn't get to it in time. And that's saved me money. Same here. I mean, I stayed away from it. I uh, wanted a low-scoring game. That's what we got. But, man – Falcons kind of let me down. I was uh, looking forward to seeing them make a little run. Yeah, the NFC South got pooped on. They sure did. That w that is a fair point. Uh, supposedly the best division in football, but yeah, we'll uh, get to that here in a minute. Um, let's go ahead and recap the Saturday night game: the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. An easy cover for us. Uh, Thirteen and a half point favorites uh, were the Patriots. They win the game thirty-five to fourteen. We both called this game perfectly. Yes. Our final did. scores, I believe you had it 35, or I'm sorry, 35-17. Yes. I had it 31-14, and uh, that's exactly what we saw play out there. We nailed it, and I knew it would be a non-factor. And then them getting Chris Hogan back was awesome. Let me just tell you, so for my player props this weekend, I think I need to start posting them online because I've been hitting like 80% of player props. I think that would be a lot of fun because you tell me uh, on the daily when you're making these player yeah. props. I think you're getting pretty good at I this. hit a Chris Hogan uh, it was plus one ninety for him to score a touchdown. He got it like it was like it was nothing, and then I, I didn't touch anything on Tennessee just because I, I did not. No offense, Derrick Henry, roll tide and everything, but I did not think he was gonna. Their player prop was like eighty yards. Nah, not today. Too much. 
too much in that game. And, you know, Tennessee kept it close for about a half. Yeah, it's just they were just overmatched. And that's all it was. It wasn't that they played bad or anything. They scored first, and they showed that they weren't afraid. But it's just when you're playing against a team like that, a team who's poised, a team who doesn't lose in the divisional round, you better come with some serious defense or serious offense like Jacksonville did. And I think the Patriots bring up a really interesting point from a better's perspective. Yeah. They've covered the spread in 10 of 11 games this season. But what that tells me is they're covering ridiculous yeah. spreads. They're because, big. Double-digit spreads every right, single one. Right, exactly. Because you have to think that Vegas knows what they're doing. They're going to adjust the lines based on what the team is doing. We saw that happen with UCF. Yeah. We see that happen with Ohio State. But these guys keep covering these ridiculous – I mean, 13.5 points in the playoffs. In the playoffs. In the divisional round. That's not even the wild card. Right. Yeah, that they definitely – I think McDaniels, Patricia, they, they're leaving. They're out to prove that they're still great at Pittsburgh. I mean, excuse me, at New England. Now they're ready for the next step. I completely agree, uh, and I think they're clicking at the right time. And, you know, I just wanted to highlight how much they're impressing me here and how yeah. much they've impressed me all year. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Patriots, and most of the time we're going with the Patriots, yeah. and they're not going to disappoint. Yeah, yeah, especially at home. So on Sunday – if you want to call the games on Saturday good, the games on Sunday were freaking incredible. Oh, my God. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Pittsburgh Steelers looks like the final score of a Big 12 game. The Jaguars win 45-42. to They were seven-and-a-half-point dogs. They win by three. You and I both went with Jacksonville. We saw what they were bringing. Yeah. Talbot Smith was unbelievable oh. on, on that Jags defense. What are your thoughts on this game? It's hard to go against numbers, but when I saw Jacksonville was 5-1 and one when playing Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, and you're telling me that I get a 7.5-point head start, I'm taking it all day. It's just, once again, they did the same thing that they did when they played them last time. They tried to throw the air out of the ball, and you can't do that against the best pass defense in the league. They... Did not jam the ball down their throats. And and some of that is on Le'Veon because I know he's a patient runner, but sometimes he was a little too patient where the hole would be there. He missed the hole. That, that linebacking core is too good for you to dance around at the line of scrimmage. When you hit that hole, you got to hit it hard. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to bring up an issue that I've been uh, thinking about this week in terms of the pace of football games, okay? Because we know how good this Jacksonville defense is. Yeah. But Roethlisberger threw for almost 500 yards. Yeah. He had, what, three touchdowns? Yeah. Um, Boye, and his, he gave up his first touchdown in 90 right. targets. He gave yep. up two that game. Right. And that was to Brown, right? Uh, yeah. In the corner of the end zone? Yeah. Yeah. That was. Um, so my question is, because we're going to be talking about the Jaguars here, but was their defense just giving up all these yards because that's the pace that they set at the beginning? I mean, they went up 21-0. Um, do you want me to be honest with you? Please. The Jaguars, in their last four games, have begun with an average of 35 points per game. Right. Okay. And that's just – and it's – don't get me wrong. I think their defense is great. But their defense is kind of like Miami, Miami uh, Hurricanes. Okay. They're great defense, but they rely on the big play. I, I haven't seen them consistently shut down people since, like, the middle of the season. The stats are great, and the big plays are great. But when you're giving up big plays like that, you're going to – you're going to score a lot of points. I mean, they were holding them to fourth down, and they were going – like, two of the touchdowns they scored were on fourth down. Right. And you're making all the right points. There's so much talent on that defense. Yeah. But I think a lot of these, you know, when, when you look at the stats or you look at the final scores, it, it's, a, it's a lot of 
situational. Yeah. You know, because it, it's like you said, they, they held him to these fourth downs. They they went up 21 nothing. so you had to think that the Steelers were going to make a run. Yeah, and uh, no offense to Bortles or anything. Like, I, I'm super hyped for him, and no offense to the receiving core, but that offense is not a offense built to blow teams out. Right. Um, and give all the credit to Ben Roethlisberger because he tried his very best. To put the team back in there. And Big Ben said he's coming back. He said like he wants to play like three three or more years. I just want to get this question out there. If anybody is listening, answer this question on our Twitter page. Should they have kicked the onside kick or should they have kicked it deep? I knew you were going to bring this up. I, I had to bring it up because I know your thoughts on it. But if there's anybody who has the chance to, to talk to us about it, I want to know what they thought. I'm just going to lay it out lay it out for there for everyone. I think they should have kicked the onside kick to get the extra possession. Miles thinks they should have trusted their defense because there was more than two and a half minutes on the clock and they would have tied the game potentially. You're in the playoffs. Huh? You got two and a half minutes. You got the two-minute warning, two timeouts. Don't count on some fluky kick yeah. to get you back in the game. Count on the 11 men that you're paying to make those stops. Make the stop when it counts. Yeah, I definitely understand every point of your of view that you're bringing here. Mine is just, it's kind of like gambling. You tell me, I get free play, right? If I get if I get three rolls or two rolls, there's a, a higher chance that I get two rolls that's going to be times more money than the three rolls. I want to take that extra opportunity even if it's a dud. But what if I told you that you only had a 20% chance? I would still take it. Because I feel like – Because my philosophy behind it is I understand everything that you're saying is I just want to allow myself the extra opportunity. I'll risk that 20% chance. Let's say they kick the onset. They don't kick the onside kick. They kick it deep, and they get a first down. Okay, I would be beating myself up about it. I wouldn't be. I would, what I'm saying is I wouldn't be beating up myself on the onside kick because the onside kick was executed poorly. If they got 15 yards and eight more yards to put them in field goal range, you know. I. But here's where I don't agree with your argument. I don't agree that the onside kick gives you two chances because it puts them. Close to field goal range. It puts them inside the 50. Well, you said you said that I'm trusting my defense, right? Yes. If I can't trust my defense to get a stop close to the 50, I can't trust my defense to get a stop down there. I, I understand that logic. That's a great point. But to me, I just feel like it's so different if you were able to kick it off and pin them at the 14 yeah. than it is to stop them inside the 50. Oh, no, I definitely understand that in hindsight they should have definitely done that, you know? But – that's just me as if I were to be the coach, you know. I, I don't know what's the right answer, what's the wrong answer, which is why I'm asking them, you know. Hopefully yeah, someone... Yeah, we, we need to ask the listeners here because I know when I'm playing Madden and yeah. I'm in that situation, I'm kicking it off because I'm going to count on my defense. Yeah. And So wait, so so let's see if if you're playing Madden, what decision do you make? Yeah. <laughs> do you go for the onside kick or, or do you kick it off in that situation? And uh, I guess this will determine who's the better Madden coach overall. One of us is going to be in the Madden Hall of Fame, the other will not be. Exactly. But the most important part is that was a win for both of us. Yes. And I'll tell you something, Brad. We were on our way to a great weekend. Yeah, we were. Three out of four games. I remember I texted you and I was like, brah, the Saints. Oh, my God. And then lo and behold, uh, the Minneapolis miracle. The Vikings beat the Saints 29-24. They were four-point favorites. They covered the spread by one point. But let me just say... That the line moved to five and a half. Oh my god, that hurt people so bad. So the reason that the five and a half didn't cover 
was because they need it. Yeah, they need it. That they is had to painful. Take the, That's a bad beat. They had to take the possession. The definition of a bad beat. Uh, so so I, th- I thought that was pretty crazy because they, for a second there, it didn't really, you didn't really know if they were going to kick the extra point because yeah. there was no one on the field. and They need it. Oh, man. They freaking need it. Uh, Miles, this was a, <laughs> a, a whirlwind of emotions for me as a betting man because I had Michael Thomas yards. Michael Thomas didn't look like he was going to get those yards until the second half. But I had Saints money line. Saints looked like I, I didn't stand a chance. Now I hit Michael Thomas yards. I think his was like plus 70. And I'm like, let's go. Let's go. I think I even – I texted my, one of my boys and I was like, I'm so close to winning a boatload of money. <laughs> and then the, it was like – that was like 30 seconds left to go. And then the play happened. I was like, this has to be a freaking joke. I mean, I was I was in shock. I want more like reaction videos. There was one reaction video I saw where a Saints fan literally just fainted. Really? He was he was in a bar or a sports book or something, and someone had the camera on him. It was one of the funniest videos I'd ever seen. And the play happens, and he literally just faints. That's hilarious. I was with um, I was down at Dapper Duck in Orlando, and I was with a couple um, Vikings fans. This one girl, she was like, "Man, she's not caring about the game because she knew the Saints had come back. She had no faith, and I, I didn't have any faith in her either." And she went insane. So we can't put this on Drew Brees. Not at all. Right? He he put them in a situation to win. His second half stats, I mean, he had, what, 250 yards and yeah. two touchdowns in the second half? And, and that was without a strong running game. Yeah. Because that running game struggled against that yeah. defense. And it got to a point where they had to abandon the running game. Yeah. They just got just put the, the ball in Drew Brees' hands. One thing that I, I did notice um, about that game was I was a little surprised that that secondary was unable to stop um, Case Keenum and and the gang as, I, as little as they were. I was too, but at the same time, if you take away the 61-yard touchdown, which I know I can't, but if you do, his numbers aren't that flattering. Yeah. But I, but, but, but I, I see what you're saying because he hit a lot of third and longs that he, that he should not have that been converting. Yeah. Lattimore didn't play a good game. Ice in his veins. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really surprised about that. Although I think on that last play, I think he closed his eyes and just chucked the ball. Oh, 100%. That's what I that's what I and think we saw. And I feel bad for that guy's a safe uh, a, a rookie and it won't define his career, no. but and you honestly it's not his fault. Yeah, on that last play of the game when he went for the tackle, what the hell was he doing? I know he's trying to take his legs out and he whiffed. He was trying to keep him in bounds, right? I and, mean, that's um man, who was it? Uh, a Hall of Famer uh who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers said it best. Oh, no, no, it was Ryan Clark who said it when Ryan Clark made that game-saving tackle um, to get them to the Super Bowl. He said, when I made that when I made that stop, Troy Palomalu came up to me and said, thank you, because I thought he was going to moss me for the Hail Mary and win the game. Even one of the greatest safeties of all time, all time was scared. So you know he had to be scared. Absolutely. And we're talking about a rookie in the most pressure-packed situation that you could talk about. Yeah. It's not as easy as people think because it's not It's not like they're in college where this rookie is great and this guy might be subpar. Mm-hmm. These are two elite players. Anything could happen. And like what happened? Anything. And the Saints just went behind the eight ball. They got off to such a slow start. Yeah. Going down by three scores in the first half is not going to win you the NFC Championship. No, no, especially not a defense like that. And, I mean, how many games a season did Minnesota hold teams under 20 points? It's, it's insane. When I was uh, – I do a lot of Twitter searching so I could see, like, 
people's reactions and stuff to the first half when I watched sports. When I was on there, I think the the like in the last like four games, nineteen consecutive points was like the most anybody scored. And okay. I mean Drew Brees had to go out there and throw 20, 24 points up. Right, he did, and I think he had to do that because what we said, they they adjusted their game plan too late. Yeah. If they would have adjusted a little earlier and realized we're not running the football on this defense. Yeah, and okay, and I have to go ahead and say this. I'm not a Saints fan. I'm not a Vikings fan. Um, and my money really wasn't that important to where it, it jaded my view of the game. But some of those uh, pass interference calls early in the game set the tone. And Absolutely. You're in the NFC Championship. You don't need to make some of those calls. Let them play. Yeah, let them play. They got that far because there were just too many yeah. ticky-tack fouls being called in the first half. Yeah, it, it made the game kind of unwatchable, and I, I could imagine what Saints fans were saying. Like, man. Absolutely. So that is how we went from a 75% winning percentage to a 50% winning percentage because of the baddest beat of them all. But we still come out 2-2. Two and two. Oh, well. I'm happy with it. It happens. You, you break even. I was uh, mostly satisfied with the wins. I was satisfied with the uh, with the Patriots and the Jaguars. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Patriots and the Jaguars, let's go ahead and talk about the big one, the AFC Championship game. 3.05 p.m. kickoff. The New England Patriots are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Two-score favorites in the conference title game. Against the second-best defense in the NFL, against Saxonville. There's a lot to talk about here. Um, the visiting team is 0-5 against the spread in the last five conference championship games. Yes. However, in this year's playoffs, the underdogs are 7-1 against the spread. So where are, you, where, are you, where are you putting your money? Because that stat is telling, but it's also against the Patriots. You know I'm putting the money on the Patriots okay. here. You had me worried for a second. 10-1 against the spread in their last 11 games. We're talking about, in my opinion, I think this Jaguars offense is so out of place. I know the Jacksonville defense has talent. We've been talking about it. Telvin Smith had 14 tackles last week. He was all over the place. Yeah, he's healthy. He's back to being healthy. He was a little banged up at the end of the season. You could tell that he that time where he really didn't need to do much helped him out a lot. And we know how good the Jack secondary is. We know how good Jalen Ramsey is. Yeah. I mean, they they allow 169 yards per game in the regular season. Come on. But I just think that the stage for this Jacksonville offense is too big. I've got the Patriots covering the spread exactly by 10. I've got them winning a fairly close game, 27-17. to 17. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm not betting against Tom Brady. Oh, my score prediction is 28-17. Okay. Wow. And I think it's going to be all touchdown city. But listen. One thing that people, uh, one of our buddies, uh, Jesse Sino, he all the time talks sports to us, right? So I love to hear his thoughts, and, and he was the first person who's not a fan of either team to tell me that he believes that Jacksonville stands a chance, right? And, and his main argument was they stand a chance because of that defense. He's talking about the sacks. Yes, he's talking about the sacks. That defense is great. Like I said earlier, in the last four road games, Jacksonville has allowed – Close to 35 points per game. That is not good when you're going to play for the Patriots. It's, it's not good. At home, in the playoffs. Foxborough's a tough enough place to play. Right. And he and so then his, his next point that I was I wanted to hash this out, he said it'd be low scoring. One people one thing that people aren't 
really getting is the Patriots' defense is not bad. They started off slow, and that was due to a slew of injuries that happened really quickly. And when you lose Hightower, he's a hard a hard player to replace. When I when I read this, I thought this was insane. The Patriots, over their last 13 games, have allowed less than 14 points per game. That's their last 13 games. And then and their six-game win, six win home streak? Six-game home win streak. I'll get it. There it is. <laughs> they allowed 12.6 points per game. It's unbelievable how strong they're finishing this season. And I think it's great that you brought up their defense because that's something that nobody talks about. Yeah. And not not to mention, we're talking about that defense going up against an offense that I'm still not impressed with. Now, Bortles did have nine different receivers with a reception, which is my favorite style of football. When you're spreading the ball around like that, JT Barrett did that in his early days at Ohio State. We called him the distributor. Yeah. Because that means you're getting the ball in space to as many different weapons as you can. I think he will have to do that again, but I just don't see that being as easy as it was against the Pittsburgh defense, who did not play well. So, I told you that I kind of came up with a little bit of a stat on my own here. Yeah, I want to hear it. So, my running back philosophy. I don't think I've ever talked about it before, but I want to compare running backs real quick, because I think one of the key factors here is going to be the Patriots' top 10 rushing attack. Yeah. No one talks no about one that. No one talks about it at all. Against the Jaguars' number 21 run defense. Yes. Because everyone talks about the secondary. But that run defense has holes. It has holes, and it's normally right up the middle. Exactly. Normally right up the middle. So, my philosophy with running backs. I want to see a running back who can do it all. I want to see a running back who can make plays in between the tackles, on stretch plays outside. I want to see him on power runs. And I want to see him catch the ball and get it into space. And that's where the Patriots are dangerous. So this is the stat that I got. Instead of doing rushes and catches, I just combined them and called them touches. Okay. Okay? And then I combined those and took the yards and figured out their average yards per play. Okay. So, Deion Lewis versus the Titans last week. He had 24 touches for 141 yards. Six yards per play. Yep. Leonard Fournette against the Steelers. 27 touches. Only 119 yards. He only averaged 4.4 yards per play. Yeah. My point is that everyone's talking about how great Fournette's been for the Jaguars. No one's talking, no one's about, talking about Deion Lewis. At all. Because what he does in the passing game, it's like what James White did in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. James White, wasn't he was the MVP of the Super Bowl, right? No, he wasn't. Was he not? I mean, he had like, what, 14 catches? Yeah, I can't remember who the, the For MVP 150 is. yards. I mean, <clears throat> in this Patriots offense... Brady's got so many weapons, and he has so many uh, weaknesses that he exploits yeah. in the defense. And he, what he does is he finds the mismatch, and he'll exploit that for the entire game. Yeah, That's something that Jacksonville doesn't have right now, and I, that's why I'm not giving them a chance to cover the spread. No, Jacksonville's definitely uh, – they're a season or two away from being a serious Super Bowl contender. Um one thing that I like here, I just just compare the two quarterbacks. We have a man who threw for 4,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and Tom Brady. And then a man who, who threw for uh, 3,600 yards, 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. In most of these games, these yards and touchdowns for Blake Bortles were in garbage time. And not to mention nine fumbles. Nine fumbles. And I, I left the fumbles out. So... The line moved, right? That was a big conversation today. It moved down to eight and a half. And right. 
part of that's due to Brady's jam finger. That's a non-factor, guys. Get that out of your head. That only helps us. I looked, I looked at, you know, I went on WebMD. I went on a couple different websites, and they were saying about the average healing time for a jam finger. And this is not with the best medical staff in the world. This is just like a person who doesn't do anything. They just ice it. Is a week. They said if treated properly, from the second it happens, you know they were the second he broke his finger, someone was there. Healing normally takes about two days. Okay. Brady's gonna be a little He's sore, be just fine. but it's gonna be moving just like just like normal. He's gonna be spinning that ball around. They get Rex. They uh, this is a uh, he's probable. They get Rex Burkhead back. So now they have Chris Hogan, Amendola, Gronk, Cooks, Lewis, Burkhead. I'm afraid. And I'm glad that you brought all those names up again because I was gonna say that I think that Brandon Cooks and uh, Chris Hogan are gonna struggle on the outside against yeah. his Jack secondary, but. That's when he finds Gronk up the middle. That's when he finds Deion Lewis out in space. That's when he finds James White. That's when he finds Amendola. Amendola had 11 catches for like 120 yards last week. Yeah, and uh, what a lot of people aren't realizing too is that when the Titans beat um, the Jags, it wasn't – Derrick Henry had, had a solid game. It wasn't crazy. They were moving the chains with – Delaney Walker. Now you're telling me you got a bigger man and a better pass catcher and a better route runner in Gronk? He's been moving the heck out of those change. I wouldn't be surprised if I see Gronk with 100 plus yards. A healthy Gronk is scary. And we're, we're even talking about the Patriots team that's lo- that's been playing without their best receiver and yeah. Edelman. But this is good because I, I really wanted to focus on both sides. Yeah. So yes, we're, we're Patriots heavy. It's it's where everything's pointing towards us, but I think we did a good job of also establishing what the Jags are offering. Yeah. And for them to win this game, they're going to have to sack Brady at least five times, which uh, was pointed out by our main man, Jesse Sino. Yeah. And they're also going to have to distribute the football. It can't all be on Fournette's shoulders. But you know what else is going to have to happen, Brad? Bortles is going to have to make some big-time throws. Yes. He's going to have to play out of this world. And I mean – Throwing for 214 yards and a touchdown is not going to win this game. He didn't have to make any plays. Yeah, it was Fournette. It was that defense. It was the momentum. Momentum. It was was momentum. Everything but Bortles. He played great, and I love I love a stat that said it was a meme because it's true. Tom Brady is more likely to win the AFC Championship when he's in it than Blake Bortles is to complete a pass. And as bad as that, I'm a Blake Bortles fan, guys. You know, I love Blake, but as bad as that hurt, it's true. It's accurate. Um, I'm not going to bet against the Pats, especially if the line uh, moves to eight and a half. Take it. Ride with it. I took it already. I couldn't. I saw it when I saw it move. I had to take it. And uh, that's going to start the day off right. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the NFC title game. 6.40 p.m. kickoff in Philadelphia. The Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. This one's a little more difficult for me. This one was really hard for me. Okay. There's a lot that I'm thinking about here. But the main point that I wanted to get across before we start is that after delving into this matchup, I don't know if I've ever seen a more even matchup. Yeah. As far as statistical rankings and against the spread stats all season. This could go either way. It can. 100%. This one is one of those bets where I say, you pick your dog in the race, and you let it ride. For that reason, 
I am going to take the Philadelphia Eagles against the spread. I like it. At home. I like it. But I do have a Minnesota Vikings win in this game. A close one? A close one. Depending on where the spread lies, because it's it's fluctuating from three and a half to three. But I've got the Vikings winning by three. 16 to 13. I have a very low-scoring defensive battle on this one. How about you? All right. So I'm just going to go ahead and highlight this. These two quarterbacks have three total postseason starts. That is just one-third less than Super Bowl rings Tom Brady has. This is the battle of forgotten players, the battle of guys who come in as replacements. And, and, and to see this, it's remarkable. Because if you would have asked me last week, well, if you look last week, I, I predicted both these, guys, both these guys to lose. I wanted veterans. And no, this is what shows us that defense is key. But with that being said, I have Vikings minus three and a half. And, you know, I had it written down at Vikings minus three, but I didn't even think that it was going to be that close. I have a 21-13 victory. Why I say that is because the Vikings defense is light years better than the Falcons. The Eagles could only muster up 15 yards versus the Falcons. And I know the Falcons offense could stay on the field better, but what I saw from Minnesota last week, these boys are ready to play. I just, I mean, all the signs are saying take Philly at home, but I can't do it, especially when I saw that the Vikings are 5-1 and one in their last six, I guess against the spread, in their last six road games. That's a, that's a telling stat, that not only are they winning at home, but they're winning on the road too. I just don't think the Eagles are going to have to score that many points to cover the spread. Yeah. We, we talked about uh, Kamara and Ingram uh, for the Saints and how they were taken out of the game, but I went ahead and did a little another fun uh, play with my stat. Yeah. And I combined Murray and McKinnon last week. Together, they only averaged 3.3 yards per play. They were a complete non-factor. Saints defense did a pretty good job of containing them. I see the Eagles doing the same exact thing. I also wanted to touch on uh, the point I made earlier about how even these two teams are. The Eagles and the Vikings are ranked 1-2 in run defense during yes. the regular season. Both ranked in the top 10 in scoring defense and rushing offense. Additionally, against the spread, Philadelphia in their last 14 games, 10-4 and four against the spread. Minnesota in their last 12 games, 9-3 and three against the spread. So, the question becomes, what's the difference? So you say that the Eagles are just not going to score enough points. Correct. Okay. Another thing here, I had to look at, so both of these guys, if you guys are looking at strictly trends, the trends point to either team, and now it's just which trends you think are, are, are more favorable, right? Exactly. And part of me was leaning towards the Eagles because of their trends at home, right? They're 8-1 they're straight up at home in their last nine games, 6-2 uh, and two in their last eight home games. Great, right? But a lot of those... We're with Carson Wentz, so I don't want to give this all credit to Nick Foles. So I, I, I demote those down to being B trends, right, instead of A trends. This trend right here, I, I couldn't couldn't get away from. The Vikings are 10-1 and one straight up in their last games, and that's 11 games as favorites, right? But that's not what alarmed me, you know, because if they win straight up, they can win by three and still lose. Their margin of victory in those games is, is 11, 11 and a half points per game. 
And I thought that to me was more valuable with the number one defense behind it. It's extremely valuable. I I, I think it's a great point. And it's also telling of how well they've played this year. Yeah. But in my opinion, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings have gone into this kind of situation or this kind of environment even close to as difficult as it's going to be than they will this Sunday in Philadelphia, outdoors, yeah, on the road, NFC title game. Now, what scares the hell out of me is that Nick Foles and his 31.4 QBR this season is absolutely dreadful. And the fact that J.H.I.E. got nothing going on the ground last week. But the Eagles really impressed me against the Falcons last week because I think that the Falcons offense was playing at a higher level than what we saw Minnesota play at last week. Yeah. Until they played the Eagles. I think it's going to be that tough of a place to play. So I'm giving a lot of stock into the home field advantage of this one. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm right there with you in the, in the thought of, you know, the home field advantage is huge, especially the Vikings are like two and 11 straight up in their last 13 road games. But there's just something special about this team. The, what really struck me here um, was them blowing a 17-point lead at halftime versus the Saints. And then the way they came back at the end. I know it was a fluke, a fluke play, but the coaching was remarkable. The, the precision of timeouts to save enough time before the field goal to get the ball back with another timeout. And then the miracle play happened. It was well done. I thought the coaching was great on both sides. It, it, it was a, it was a well-coached game. Yeah, you are telling me the Vikings are one game away, one game away from being able to have home field advantage in the Super Bowl. I think that's going to be almost enough to inspire that defense. And, and I mean, that offense, I, I'm not – these guys throw for less than 250, 250 yards a game. I'm not saying the, def, the offense is, gonna, is all that. But it's just – there's Cinderella stories, and everybody can say Nick Foles is the Cinderella story, but no, the Vikings have to be the Cinderella story with Case Keenum, the journeyman, coming in, the afterthought, with a great defense behind him. They have a chance to play in front of their home crowd. I like that. And I, I, let me add this, too, for you, Miles. I, I looked this up. Both of these teams, the last time they were in the NFC Championship, they lost. And it was in opposite years, so... <laughs> In the 2008-2009 season, the Eagles lost to the Cardinals. In the 2009-2010 season, the Vikings lost to the Saints. That was pretty funny. So somebody is going to rewrite history. Was that Brett Favre's interception? Yeah. In 2009? Yeah, or 10? Yeah, that was that was a big one. Well, I okay, so before we wrap up, I really do want to say I really do like that point about the Vikings do have the better story. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. Keenum, the journeyman, like – I, I just feel like there's not really a lot of media hype around Nick Foles right now. No. But all the media hype is around the Vikings and what they can do. God, that's why this is just going to be such a great game. And another thing that I, I want to throw on top of this, um, I wasn't going to mention it, but you brought both the quarterbacks here. One is playing for a job next year. The other one is playing for respect. And when I mean that, Case Keenum is playing for a job next year because – this game is going to determine whether this is Case Keenum's team next year, or he's got a, or he's going to go and get paid racks somewhere, or he's going to be a backup. But Nick Foles, he has a team. There's only two things that are going to happen for Nick Foles here. 
he's either going to lose this game and he's going to start a couple games next season and when when Wentz is back, it's over. Or he's going to win this game and he's finally going to get the respect that he deserves because he's been in the league long enough. He he's, was a starting quarterback at one point. And, and like you said, the media attention is around Case Keenum. And I, in my personal opinion, I love that. But he deserves it. But Nick Foles does deserve some too because although his numbers aren't great, his team is in the NFC Championship. And, and they played well all year. And uh, I just want to conclude that, uh, yes, I do have the Eagles covering the spread, but I do have the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Super Bowl. Brad, I guess that's a thing, right? Let's, I, let's say this. I know this is a, a way too early re, uh, uh, guess, right? But let's say the Patriots win and the Vikings win. What do you think the line's going to be at? Wow. Wow. I think that it would be a four-point four spread yeah. toward the Patriots. I was thinking it would be somewhere around there. Uh, yeah. I could even see a six-and-a-half-point spread because, I mean, the home field advantage is great, but I, I, I looked at tickets. I, I don't know. I, I have this weird thing where I look at sporting events that I know I can't afford to go to. I love doing that too. Um, for corner right end zone all the way at the top, was $3,500. And that's what a lot of people, I, th- I think, in the media are forgetting is that the Super Bowl is a corporate event. Yeah. It's not an event that fans go to. So yeah. just because it's in Minnesota, yeah, they're going to have a f- maybe a few extra fans there, but, but not really. they're hyping it way too much. There's very few people who are sports lovers in that home particular town that are willing to pay $3,500 for a ticket. Exactly. And that's nosebleeds. That's like right. the, the, the crappiest seat you can get. You have to luck into a ticket. Yeah. Pretty much. So, but hopefully uh, our luck is good next week in Las Vegas. You know, uh, so speaking of lucky, you just reminded me of this. I'm in a couple uh, drawings for um, a Super Bowl ticket at Duffy's. So if I win that, excellent. If they give me more than, you know, if I get more than one, I have to take any of me, but I'll consider taking you. All right, fine. So, all right. As long as I'm on the short list. Yeah, you're on the short list. <laughs> <laughs> what a great episode. I, I enjoy talking football with you. you got a couple more weeks to talk games. Yeah, I, I can't believe we only have one more game to talk about. But uh, you know what I'm really looking forward to is uh, looking ahead to next year. Yeah. And uh, breaking down a couple of games we're looking forward to. and March Madness. Oh, got March Madness coming up. we got the the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs. Uh, we got we got you know we got baseball starting up. So it's always good to be a sports fan. Right? Always great. And uh, let me throw something out. I'm, I'm a rambler here. But – we did our Futures episode, and I was kind of worried that the Penguins were sucking it up. They have won four of their last six games. Back on track. We're back on track. Back on track. <laughs> With that being said, guys, like us on Facebook. Uh, it's Welcome to the House. Follow us on Twitter. It's Best the House. You can also type in Welcome to the House on Twitter and find it. Um, for those of you guys who might be confused, the best way to find our podcast is Welcome to the House. Not the House. Welcome to the house. And that's everywhere you can look and you'll 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 be have a better chance of finding it. Even if you go in Welcome to the House on Google to find our website, it will it'll be easy to find. And I made sure I double checked that for you guys because I had a lot of friends that said they couldn't find us on iTunes at the house. Scratch that. SEO has us at Welcome to the House because we did that on purpose because the house was too clogged. It was too much of a log jam. Absolutely. And bestthehouse.com. You can always listen there and see a great, great photo of Brad and I. Yeah, you can see a great photo of us and donate. Stay tuned because we're going to have some opportunities for you future sports writers out there to have published sports articles. Keep an eye out. Thank you, guys. See you in Vegas.